Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Lakuta Maran Shir. This is our 35th class in Lakuta Maran, all text-based inside classes. So you could actually learn what does Rebbe Nachman actually say. For other classes, you could go to bri.org on their Breslov Research Institute YouTube channel, or you could check out my SoundCloud at Shia Sussman or Nach Daily, and you'll be able to find more classes there. Tonight, we are going to be learning Lesson 65 in Lakuti Maran. Uh, I like to call it the Garden of Souls. And this is Rebbe Nachman's main lesson on suffering. Meaning, why do people suffer? A, uh, how can a person mitigate suffering? What can we learn from suffering? And Rebbe Nachman spoke this about at length. And basically, first he gives a general overview about Tikkun Neshamas and how the Tzaddik plays into that. And then he goes into more practically and specifically, uh, which we're not going to get to the practical aspects this week. We're just going to learn for the knowledge, Shabot, in it, uh, what he says. And then uh, more specifically goes how to mitigate dinim, how to get above it, how to deal with suffering, why do we suffer. But it's going to start with a general, very, very esoteric uh, idea. Uh, it's going to be more heavy panemius hator tonight. Uh, the topics we're going to cover tonight, just, you know, as the outline, we're going to talk about something called the Baal Hasada, the master of the field, the extraordinary tzaddik. We're also going to talk more specifically and focus on really the idea of tikkune neshamos, certain spiritual soul rectifications, rectifying one's soul, davening, how when a person davens, they're able to transcend time uh, and the levels a person could attain through davening. We're going to see some amazing stuff. And a, uh, what does tikkune, tikkune neshamas have to do with proper dibor, with proper speech? That's obviously connecting to davening. And next week, we'll more, learn more about the nature of suffering and why people suffer. Uh, I want to say a little bit of a disclaimer before we start. This is some of this, uh, if you've never learned it before, will probably be brand new, <laughs> brand new to you. And I think that's a wonderful thing because just like my wife got a new iPhone, uh, she upgraded from her old Samsung. So just like we want to upgrade in tech, we want to upgrade in our understanding of Yiddishkeit and Judaism. And what better way to do that through Rebbe Nachman and Lukut Maran. And we're going to just, so hang in there a little bit. I also want to read a lot tonight to kind of like burst open the doors and just get it rolling as opposed to breaking it down and going a little bit slower. I want to move a little bit faster tonight. And a, uh, and we're going to learn, we're going to see there's a lot of things that we're going to learn tonight that are probably going to be brand new to people, as well as uh, I also want to say that whenever I learn this piece, uh, especially some of the parts we're going to see tonight, uh, it just, it tugs on my neshama. I get a certain neshama feel and it's like, it's very, very, uh, it goes straight to the, straight to the source of neshama and it cuts through everything. So with that, we're going to jump in. I wanted to introduce this piece with a piece from Sichas Aran. And I think we'll do this piece of Sichas Aran inside and then we'll jump right into the piece in Lukut Maran. So I'm gonna pull up the screen share and we're starting with Sichas Aran, lesson 23. So let me just go to the screen share over here. Okay. Here is the piece in Sichas Aran. Boom, highlighted. Chav Gimel. We're just jumping right in now. Anava Amar, he opened and he said, Harachmana shela olam hazeh, Hakol Rowan, pity or Rachmanus, 
In this world, everyone sees. And because of this, everyone chases this world. Because you see a person starving and thirsting, it's so hard for him. And you have tremendous pity on that individual. A person who's barefoot and they're naked, they don't have clothing, you have even more pity on them. Right? Your person sees a homeless person and you're aroused. You want to give them tzedakah, you want to help them out. But a person who's able to see the tremendous pity on souls in the next world, because in the Olam Haba, in the world to come, in the world of souls, there are people that are found there that are completely naked. There are naked souls there, and it's impossible to have mercy on them. So already he's saying that it's one thing when you see a person in this world and you want to have Rachmanus on them, but the main Rachmanus is in the next world. In this world, when a person's naked with no with no clothing, you could gather sedaka for him, and you could get him clothing. But in the next world, a person who's walking naked, it's impossible to have pity or rachmanus on him. Because no matter how bad you feel for the person in the next world, you're not going to be able to do anything for him. Because isn't the true clothing that he needs, clothing of Torah, so feeling bad for someone, if you don't have, if they don't actually have Torah, Torah and mitzvahs, you're not going to be able to give it to them. But a person who is, has the ability, a person who merited to come close to a true tzaddik, who yachal lirot tzaddik, he's able to run to the tzaddik, v'likach eitzlo eizemabush lihislabesh atzmo. You're going to be able to run to the tzaddik, and you're going to be able to get clothing from him. So, just stop this for one second. So right away, Rabbi Nachman opens up in Sichas Aran, and he says that, when you see someone homeless in this world, of course you're going to have pity on them. But a person who really has a long-term vision, the true pity is having pity on naked souls in the next world that don't have any clothing. Feeling bad for them is not going to help out because the main thing they need is Torah and mitzvahs. But a person who's close to a tzaddik, they're going to be able to run to that true tzaddik and get clothing from him. Back inside the Sichas Aran. And one, Reb Nassim writes, at one time I heard a very holy thing that Rabbi Nachman said similar to this. Sha'amar, and that he said, In Olam Haba, there are many, there are many individuals that are standing outside. And they're screaming with a bitter voice, Give us what to eat. And you go next to them and they say to them, They say, here, you say to them, here, take bread, take water, eat and drink. But these starving souls say, 
No, no. Ein anu achilazos. We don't need this type of food. Rak anu ushtia What do we need to eat and drink? We need Torah and service of God. And also there are many naked people outside. And they scream out, Give us what to cover, cover ourselves with. And they go next to them and they, and they say to these neshamas, And they say, here, take clothing. No, no. That's not the type of clothing that we need here. The type of clothing we need to garb our souls are mitzvahs, good deeds, to clothe ourselves. One time he said, Rabbi Nachman said, Rabbi Nachman said, Praiseworthy is the person who's able to eat how many chapters of Mishnayas and drink and wash it down with how many prakim of Tehillim? Ulislabish be'eza mitzvahs and clothe themselves with mitzvahs. <laughs> I love that last line. Praiseworthy is the person who's able to eat how many chapters of Mishnayas and wash it down with a nice tall glass with of Tehillim. That's amazing. So already... Again, just to recap a little bit. So Rabbi Nachman is, I'm setting the stage for what we're, what we're going to learn, what we're going to jump into. That there's, this, an, there's an idea of naked souls outside of Gan Eden. And these naked souls, they're waiting for a tikkun. They're waiting for Torah and mitzvahs. They're waiting for proper spiritual clothing in order to garb their souls with. This way they're able to enter. So a person who has true Rachmanis, a person who has true pity, the Merachim on Neshamas. They have pity on Jewish souls. It's one level to feel Rachmanis on someone in order to uh, feed them and give tzedakah. And it's one level to have Rachmanis on someone to feed them and give them tzedakah and to help them out. Rabbi Nachman is teaching it's a whole nother level to have Rachmanis on a person's soul. Because then the main Rachmanis, the main pity is on a soul of an individual when they get to Olam Hava. Parenthetically, Rabbi Nachman adds in here that when a soul's outside of God, and we're going to revisit these points, we're going to see all these points in much more depth. That when a soul enters into Gan Eden, uh, that when a soul's outside Gan Eden, they're going to be able to go to the tzaddik and get clothing from that tzaddik. Now, I just want to add over here, we're going to see all these points more in depth. Uh, I actually wanted to find it, but I didn't have time to find it, actually. I once saw in the der- that this sounds like a wild idea, that a person's getting into Olam Haba through a tzaddik, through somebody, through somebody else. Oh, just muting. I uh, just was just muting someone on the screen over there. Uh, that it sounds like a, a, a foreign idea that you're going to be able to go to the tzaddik now and get clothing spiritual clothing from that side in order to get you into Olam Haba. We're going to see more of that in depth, but I wanted to find it inside, but I didn't have time to look at it. Maybe next week I'll bring it in. That the Derech Hashem from the Ramchal clearly writes that there's two ways to get Olam Haba. He says one way to get Olam Haba is uh, what he called, he says one way is to earn it. You get mitzvahs. You do good. You learn Torah. You get mitzvahs and you're able to earn Olam Haba. 
Uh, but he also says there's another way the Ramchal writes to get Olam Haba, which we're going to learn about, is betahaluso al yidei adam acher through making yourself dependent on someone else's chosum. So I might not have the proper chosum, but you know, my Rebbe, he's a really good guy and he does a lot of mitzvahs and I was close with my Rebbe. So he's going to see me there and he's going to be able to, uh, because I learned from him and I learned from his Torah and I tried emulating his ways. So he's going to be able to get me into Olam Haba also. So if you can't get in on your credit, you'll be able to get in on someone else's credit. Okay, and we're, we're going to learn, we're going to like learn more in depth about all this stuff. So now we're going to jump in lesson 65 in Lakutim Iran in the first Chalik, and I'm going to go to the screen share. Uh, it, one last point on this before I go to the screen share is that uh, it's brought down as well from the Arizal that it says Mizmor Shir Liyom Hashabbos. So it's brought down that that's Roshe Tevos, Mizmor Shir Liyom Hashabbos. That's Roshe Tevos Limoshe. Means it's brought down in the Zohar that the, that the Arizal brings that every, every Shabbos, Moshe goes down and he lifts up all the souls from Gehenna and he brings them into Gan Eden. And that's why Mizmor Shir Liyom Hashabbos is Roshe Tevos Limoshe that Moshe is able to go down and all those souls attach onto Moshe and he's able to bring them into Gan Eden. So we, again, we already see the idea that, a, that in order for a person's tikkun neshama, a person's able to get into Olam Haba, get into Gan Eden through somebody else. Okay, now we set the stage and now we're gonna, now we're gonna jump in to the screen share over here. Okay, hold on, where's the screen share? Okay, boom, okay, again. Uh, we're going to open with the Samech. Hey, it's highlighted over here. Uh, stylistically, as we've seen in many lessons in Lekut Maran, he opens with a Pasuk. The Pasuk seems a little bit far off. And then he detours. And in the end of the piece, we're going to come back to the Pasuk. So the Pasuk's not going to be our main topic tonight, but we're going to read it because that's really what we're up to. Okay. Vayomer Boaz el Rus. Boaz said to Rus. So all of a sudden, Rus, Boaz saw Rus standing on the field when she came from, when she came, when she came back to base Lechem and when she was in the fields of Moab. And Boaz notices Rus and he, she says, he says to her, you stay in my field. So he says, your eye should be on my field and you'll go and you'll collect the shikha and the peya, the leftovers, so to speak. And I've commanded the young men on my field not to touch you. And Boaz tells Rus, I want you to go ahead and eat and drink from the same field that my, not that, uh, that my assistants and, uh, Servants are drinking from. Okay, now we're going to jump into the piece. Da, da, da. You should know. Kiyesh sada. There is a field. Visham gedelim ilonos vasavim yafim vinatim meod. And in that field, there are trees and grass and flowers that are so beautiful. Vigoldo yakar yofi hasada vigudulav ef sharlasaper. And the greatness and the preciousness of this field and it's what grows in it, it's impossible 
its beauty is impossible to encapsulate into words. Ashrei ayin rasazos. Praiseworthy is the eye that saw this. Ve'ilanos v'asavim, and the trees and grass, heim b'chinas nishamos kedoshos ha'gedeilim sham. So the, the grass and the trees that are in this garden, these are the holy souls that are growing there. And there are how many naked souls that are wandering outside the field. And they're waiting and longing for their fixing, for their tikkun. That they're able to receive their soul correction and enter into the field. Oh, sorry, skip the line. They're waiting that they could go into the field. And there's even big souls. That many souls are even dependent on those big souls. And there are times that they're outside. And once they go outside, it's very hard for them to enter back into the gates of this wonderful garden. And all these souls are waiting for the master of the field. That is able to toil and fix their souls. And there is a soul. Some souls that get their tikkun through dying, right? So there are some souls that get their tikkun through dying, right? It says, right? A person's, uh, the death of a tzaddik atones, it, it, it brings a kapara, it brings a tikkun. And there are some, and there are some people that get a tikkun through other people's mitzvahs. Okay, let's just recap this amazing thing. So Rabbi Nachman's opening up and he's saying that there's this beautiful field, the field of souls, right? And there are amazing trees and garden and, and flowers blooming in just, okay? There's this amazing field of flowers blooming in this field of souls. And praiseworthy is the eye that saw all this, this garden, right? But you should know, he says, Outside this gun, outside the garden of souls, there's many souls that are standing there naked. And these souls are waiting for their tikkun. And sometimes, sometimes there's a soul that's very big and it's able to bring people back, but it leaves Gan Eden and all of a sudden it can't get back into the garden of souls. It gets stuck outside. So it's waiting, all these souls ultimately are waiting for the Baal Hasada, the master of the field, in order to bring them to their tikkun, in order to be machnes, these naked souls, back into Gan Eden. Right? And sometimes, Rabbi Nachman adds, right, again, these are all major points over here, but sometimes a soul's able to get back into Gan Eden through the death of someone, which means, like we're saying, Misa Sadiq Mechaprim, that a person, a tzaddik, dies and is able to bring that soul back in. And other times through someone else's, through mitzvahs of someone else, right? So like most people think that when the neshamas go up to Shemayim, the neshamas remain, souls remain static. That's really not the case because if you have a child or if you have 
uh, and that child does mitzvahs and has a certain understanding of God. So every time that child does a mitzvah, like we say, you're neshamash, I have an aliyah, right? So you leave behind kids, right? And your kids are doing mitzvahs. They're embodying your das, your mind and your wisdom. And now all of a sudden the soul goes higher and higher in Gan Eden. So through, uh, through someone else's mitzvahs, right? Whether that's a child, whether that's a safer, leaving your mind behind, whether that's students. So a person's able to now reach higher olam haba. And that's able to bring one of the naked souls out, like the piece we started with in Sikha Saran, that there are so many souls outside of Gan Eden, and they're waiting, feed me, feed me, give me proper clothing, and get Torah and mitzvahs. Are they able to run to the tzaddik? They're able to get back in, back in to, uh, back into the field. Okay, back inside. I know it's a little bit heavier, but I couldn't resist. This is just unbelievable. Okay. Uh, what, what Rabbi Nachman's now going to discuss is, Rabbi Nachman's now going to say, what are the qualifications uh, to be the Baal Hasada? So we introduced that there's a master of the field, but what are those qualifications? Umi and a person wants to gird themselves in order to enter themselves to be the master of the field. They need to be a strong standing individual who's a gibor chayel, a strong warrior who's wise, who's a tzaddik gadol me'od, an extraordinary tzaddik. This Baal Hasada, this master of the field, needs to be so extraordinary, he needs to be extraordinary. <laughs> and there are certain people who can't reach that level unless they die. Right, but even for this to reach a high madrega after you die, you already in your lifetime need to be very high. Like they say, tzadikim b'misasom nikr chayem. Kiyesh kama, kiyesh kama v'kama gedolim shafilu im misasom lo yailu. Right, that there are very very big gedolim. There are very very big people, but dying. When they die, it doesn't necessarily mean that they now become the balasada. They don't necessarily reach a higher level after they die once, once, they, once they pass away. Rak, imyesh adam right? So this person who reaches a higher level after they die, they need to be so far advanced. They're able to finish what they did in their life, even after they died in the next world. Because how much pain and suffering did they go through? But because this person was so great, he was able to get above all the suffering. He was able to do everything and be metak in the field in the way that it needs to. And when he was zochet to fix the souls, to bring all these souls to their tikkun and bring them into Gan Eden, and we're switching gears a little bit, we're going to come back to this. Then it's very fitting that the person davens.
Ki az tefila al tikuna. Then a person's tefila now becomes elevated. Bezeh abala sada hu mashkiach hu mishtadal tamid lahashkos ilanos ugadlam. And this master of the field, this sadik, is constantly working to water the trees and make sure that they grow. Ubishar tikuna asada and whatever else this field needs. And also to distance each tree, distance that it needs. That one person's roots shouldn't go into another. Like when you plant, you have to have proper space so your plants grow properly. And sometimes the Baal Asada needs to distance these two neshamos to be so far from one another that this way they don't contradict themselves. Okay. I know I just read that inside. That was a lot. Let's just recap a little bit what we said and uh, what we're learning so far. So there's a field of souls, right? And there, are, there is a master of the field. This master of the field is a tremendously big tzaddik. It's an extraordinary tzaddik. It's a tzaddik that's Godo b'mayla muflog ma'od. So much so, this tzaddik is so big that even after he dies, he's no longer constrained by limitations of his body and he's able to make tikkunim above and beyond. That's, that even after this tzaddik dies, he's now able to go higher and higher and higher and higher in Gan Eden perpetually in order to bring in those outside souls that are outside Gan Eden in order to bring them back into Gan Eden. He's the tzaddik that the naked souls are able to go over to and ask for clothing, ask for Torah and mitzvahs in order to bring those souls, even after they die, to their special tikkun. What makes this tzaddik so extraordinary? He says a few things. He says, it's not just the godol. It's not just because there are many gedolim that even though they were great in their lifetime, they're not married, they don't merit necessarily to go to that extremely high place to be the Baal HaSada, the master of the field. That this master of the field, this tzaddik is so great that he went through all the suffering, he went through, he went through everything, a, uh, and he was able to attain this extremely, extremely profound high he's able to reach the extremely high profound level not only that as rabbi nachman is saying right that once a person starts getting a tikkun from the tzaddik even in this world he's able to start speaking he's able to start davening that somehow tikkune neshamos we're going to learn more about that tonight somehow tikkune neshamos have to do with ability to clarify speech that a person's soul comes out through their speech and when a person's soul starts becoming mitukan starts reaching its tikkun it actually starts to daven better right uh, additionally what rabbi nachman is saying is that just like every tree needs water it needs a different environment it needs a different thing and every plant needs a different uh ingredients for it to flourish and for it to grow so too every soul that the tzaddik understands that every soul needs a specific tikkun individual thing for itself so therefore 
Sometimes he'll take two trees and he'll plant them on the opposite side of the field. This way they don't a, uh, contradict one another. That every single soul has a specific tikkun that's not like someone else. And every specific plant has a special thing. And therefore the tzaddik teaches a, per- teaches a person not to mimic someone else's avoda and to grow in the way that that soul needs to have a tikkun and that soul needs to desire, that soul needs for its special path. Because every yid, every Jew has a special path in life that's not similar to his friends. So the tzaddik understands that he's able to unplug you from the matrix of doing what everyone else is doing and he's able to show you your specific tikkun. How? How's he able to do that? Uh, we're going to see more about that. Uh, but one of the ways he's able to do that is just by showing you these different ideas, just by connecting to the tzaddik and somehow understanding, like, like what's he talking about, right? These are all very esoteric things. When a person tries to wrap their minds around what the tzaddik is saying, right, that itself, and they grapple to understand, that itself brings a tikkun hanashama. So there's something about connecting to the tzaddik. There's something about connecting and just understanding the very fact that there is a bala sada. There's something uh, spiritual that takes place, you know, that brings a tikkun neshama. The second thing that I like to add is if I knew exactly how that worked, then I would be that tzaddik. So I don't know how that works. Certainly not that tzaddik, but a, uh, nevertheless, it's still important to know. Uh, we're going to now tonight, we're going to move more into the area of davening and what this has to do. And kind of what we're doing is even for next week, we're setting the stage to talk about human suffering, because what we're seeing here is a general discussion of suffering, that there are neshamos that are naked outside of Gan Eden that are waiting for a special tikkun in order to be entered back into Gan Eden. So you see Rabbi Nachman is starting his conversation of suffering with a general overview of tikkune neshamas. It's not only tikkune neshamas in the next world, it's also tikkune neshamas in this world. It's like it calls to mind, I once saw the Meishaloach in Parshish Chaye Sarah, which is in a week or two for now, that, uh, it, why is it called Chaye Sarah? Uh, Sarah's alive, the life of Sarah, Sarah's dying. It should be called Misa Sara, right? So the answer is, the Meshulach says that Sarah, her entire life was living to see Hashem clearly uh, in this world. But we know in this world, you'll never see Hashem clearly. So finally, in the next world, when the veil is pulled away, she was able to see Hashem, she was able to see Hashem uh, much more clear. So that's why it's called Chaye Sarah, because now Sarah really becomes alive. Sadiqim mimisasam nikr chayehem. Right, that Sadiqim after they die, they considered alive. That Sarah Imenu, after she died, now she's able to come alive. Sarah Imenu, she was Imenu, she's the extraordinary Tzadikas who's able to bring Tikkuni Neshamas that even after they die, they're able to reach a higher Madrega than they were in this world. It's like uh, they say a story about Rabbi Nachman, it's brought down that uh, one time he was in his house uh, and he heard screaming. He, uh, there was a cemetery outside where he was living and there was someone through the window that him and his daughter Sarah were there and the person was screaming, Tati, 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 Tati. You know, someone was screaming, 
by the cemetery by their parents' grave. And uh, uh, Rabbi Nachman responded to his daughter and said, uh, it's very nice that he's calling his father, but a, uh, his, father's not, uh, his father's not there right now. So it's, it's not a good thing that he's calling his father. His father's not by the grave. And, so, and Sarah, Rabbi Nachman's daughter, said to him, uh, what do you mean? Uh, if I go to your grave after you die and call your name, are you not going to be there? So Rabbi Nachman responds, he says, he says, what do you mean? If I walk into the room next door and you call my name, will I not hear you? <laughs> Indicating that a true tzaddik goes from this world to the next world to this world to the next world. Right? It's totally a seamless transition. Like the Gemara says, when a person leaves this world, a Russia, what is the soul leaving the body? What is it like? It's like a, uh, a thing of brine, like a, a thistle that gets stuck on hair that it needs to rip out, right? Because it's so enmeshed in the body, it rips part of the body. It's a very hard departure. But a tzaddik, what's a tzaddik like the Gemara says, is right, this famous Gemara, it's like a hair in milk. It just comes right out, <laughs> right? There's no... Uh, clean, fluid, smooth, right? So an extraordinary tzaddik, they're in the next world. It's like a clean transition. It's like all happening back and forth, tikkun neshamas. Okay, now we're going to switch gears a little bit into tefillah. Let me go to the screen share. We are back in the screen share. Okay. Uh, vida. And base, letter base over here. Vida. Uh, and you should know. The souls give fruit. When they do the will of God. And then when they do the rotson of God, of Hashem, then the eyes of the master of the field, the Baal HaSada, gets illuminated. The Baal HaSada is able to go ahead and see from a distance what the Makam Shetzarach, the place that he needs. And this is like a field of vision, a field that you're able to see from. We're going to come back to this point. But when they don't do the Ratzon of Hashem, chas v'shalom, then the eyes of the Baal HaSadda get dim, chas v'shalom, and this is like a field of crying. Because crying destroys the eyes. Like the Pasuk says, that the clouds return after rain. This is the eyes that dry up, that dry up after, after, the, after the clouds. But when the tzaddik's eyes, they're able to illuminate like a, like a visionary, the field of seeing, 
Again, we're going to come back to that point. Then when his eyes are illuminated, he's able to see to every individual to the tachlis of what that person needs. He's able to look at every person's speech. He's able to tell a person's soul through their speech. And bring them to their tikkun. He's able to see that they're far from their tachlis. They're able to bring that, that person to, to, a, uh, to their tikkun, and they're able to uh, see what that person needs. Okay, let's just explain this. Let's just explain this a little bit. So there's two types of fields. There's a stay sofen. There's a, a field of visionaries, a field of seeing. What that field is, it was a type of field that there was a lookout tower on top and people were able to see all the way to the end of the field in order to protect it. And then there's this, it was like a lookout post where they could see enemies that lie ahead. And there's also something called, uh, so that field, a, a, a modern day way to say that field, to talk about that field would be a field of visionary, right? That the tzaddik is a visionary who's able to see way beyond everything, to see the perils and the dangers that lie ahead. And he's able now, he's able to have super long-term vision. And we're going to see next week just how far that vision reaches. That vision reaches all the way to Olam Haba. All right. It's one thing to imagine 10 years from now. It's another thing to imagine a life way beyond. Right. So the tzaddik is able to look out in harm's way with a visionary, with a certain type of gaze, with a certain type of vision. He's able to see what every neshama needs. And when that neshama, but there's also a converse relationship that when the neshamas do what they're supposed to do, that also illuminates the eyes of the tzaddik, that empowers the tzaddik, and it allows him to be able to see even further. Additionally, like I like to think about that, like a uh, in the seven in the uh, seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey, Doctor Stephen Covey. He says, uh, "What habit number two is begin with the end in mind, right? Begin with the end in mind, right? Means that Sadik's able to show you now what the end to start now with the end in mind." having a long-term vision, a long-term vision of Olam Haba, a long-term vision of what that specific individual needs, and he's able to start them on their program. Habit number two, begin with the end in mind. <laughs> and, uh, he's also saying that there's a stay bochen. Uh, halakhically, with the uh, stay bochen, the field of tears, is it's that people who walk at a funeral, uh, it used to be that at a funeral procession on a Leviah, people would walk to, uh, they would walk to the edge of the field and the family would go ahead and they continue on into the cemetery. So the people would be Malava, the Nifter, and the family to the edge of the field. That was called the Steboch in the place where they were crying. And the family would now go carry on into their next, into the actual cemetery. So the Stebochen represents that a constricted vision, a field of tears, where a person just feels a, a, a lack of vision for life, a lack of vision for a, uh, for what you need, for what people need. It's not beginning with the end in mind. <laughs> it's like there's so many, there's so many people that I work with that are young adults that are like, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, and they have no vision of themselves. They have no vision of like what they're supposed to be doing. It's like a total constrictedness, you know, but the tzaddik, 
is teaches a person to begin with the end in mind, right? To have a long-term vision of themselves. So when a person doesn't have a vision of themselves or a vision of life, that's a stable, that's a constricted state of consciousness. So the tzaddik, he's able to use his mind's eye and he's able to have a deep gaze, right? And he's able to convey a certain confidence in that person that they're able to reach their tikkun neshamas. And we're going to see how, what we're going to transition into now, is I know I'm reading a lot tonight, but I wanted to move through this, right? What we're going to delve into now is about how a person's speech comes out, right? That the neshama, it says, Hashem gave nishbach ba'afo nefesh chaim. Hashem blew into a person a neshama. The targum of the word neshama is, on the Torah is, Ruach Mimala, a speaking soul, right? That our power of speech is what separates from animals and that the tzaddik is able to tell by a person's speech what his soul needs and where his soul's at. So when a person starts getting a tikkun neshama, their speech now becomes more refined and in specific their tefillah. Now we're going we're gonna to learn now a very, very, very high madrega of tefillah, uh, an amazingly high madrega that certainly uh, I've never reached. But again, we're going to learn about it. We're going to jump inside. Okay. Kikol Dibor, this highlighted line over here. Let me make this a little bigger. Okay. Whoop. Opa. Okay. Kikol Dibor Vidibor Hu Olamale. Every word that a person speaks. Is, is, a, is an entire world, right? We know Hashem created the, right? Bidvar Hashem Ishmaim Nasu, right? With the word of God, Hashem created the world. So every word a person speaks is an entire world. A person stands to Davin and they speak words of Tfila. Then it's like they're picking beautiful sproutlings and roses and tulips and magnolias and beautiful flowers. Like a person going in a field. And they're just picking roses and flowers one by one. Until they make a bouquet. And afterwards, they go and pick more one by one. And now they make another bouquet and they join them together. And he's able to now gather more and more and more and make more, uh, more flowers. <laughs> so too, a person needs to dive in a way where they go from letter to letter. Hold on. So a person's able to go from letter to letter until each letter joins, and that full joining of the letters create a word, which creates a speech. And you do that with every word. And afterwards, you join together two words. And afterwards, you walk in the garden of Tfila and you collect more. Until you finish one complete bracha. 
And afterwards you collect more and more. And you go from Avos, the bracha of Avos, to Gvura, right? And then you go from Gvura to Kedusha. You go from the bracha of Gvura in Shemona Esrei to Kedushos. Right? So a person, they collect every letter. It's like picking a flower. You join the letters, that becomes a word. You join the words, that become a sentence. You join the sentence, that becomes a bracha. You go from bracha to bracha, and every letter you're saying is like picking a flower. Who could, uh, this amazing bouquet, this amazing centerpiece of flowers, the gorgeousness of it, of all the gatherings, that a person is gathering from their words of davening. And when speech comes out, and the dibor now goes out from the soul, like it says in the second paragraph of Chaya, that now man, Adam Rishon, was able to speak. And the translation of that, the Targum says he's, he had the spirit of speech. The speech comes, and you need to hear what you say. You need to listen with your ears what you're saying with mouths, right? So that's just, it says, what does it mean, Shema, listen? It means listen with your ears what you say with your mouth. So when a person is hanging on to every syllable of their letters and they're hearing what they're saying, then the dibor, your speech itself, then your speech pleads with your soul. Your speech pleads and begs and yearns for your soul. Please don't separate from me. And right away, when you say one letter, you say the letter from the word Baruch. Then it, your, your speech asks your soul, don't separate from me. How can you separate from me? Right? Your words, your power of speech says to your soul, due to the great connection and love we have between us, how can you leave my mouth? Because you see, you, my soul, see its great splendor and its beauty and its wonder. How can you separate yourself from me? To depart from me. Yes, it's true. I knew you need to, I know you need to go further in order to collect more wonderful tremendous, wonderful things. But how can you separate from me? Right? And then forget, move on and forget me. I'll call upon him, right? This is a 
a mysterious, beautiful conversation that your speech, your words have with your soul. Please don't separate. I'll call upon him, nevertheless. Tira, you need to see. Even though you're going to separate from me, soul, even though I know you're going to depart from my words, I want you to know you come with me wherever I go. And please don't ever forget about me. All that conversation happens when you say even the word letter base from Baruch. Right? And even more, when you finish one word, as I call hateva mivakeshes call hanal, then that word asks everything from your soul, like we just said, umilafefes umichabekes oso, and it yearns and it hugs it. Beenu menachas oso leilech miito kanal, and it doesn't want to let it go. But the truth is, a, it's a person's necessary. They need to say more words. The kama brachos and how many blessings until the end of tefillah. Al kain, al kain haklal. Therefore, the rule is Therefore, the rule is a person needs to make the entire tefillah one. And every word that you say, this is a very high level, right? That in every word you say should be found and incorporated every single other word of tefillah that you said. From the beginning of tefillah, till the end should be one. And when a person's finishing up saying the last words of tefillah, you're still really on the first word. That through this, that a person's able to dominate the entire thing, mamish, it's, he's in every place in tefillah all at once. And nevertheless, that a person never even separated from the first word of tefillah. Okay, let's let's recap that a little bit. I know that was I know that was pretty heavy as well, but we're going to recap over here, right? That that every word, every letter of tefillah creates such a connection, such a dvekas between your speech, between your mouth, and your soul. That even when you say the word bays, it has a whole conversation. Please don't leave me. This is so delicious. Look at these flowers. I love you. I know you're going to have to move on, but please don't move on for me. We're so connected and we love each other. And there's a whole internal soul conversation that's happening between your speech and your soul. And these two parts are uniting and hugging each other and loving and yearning to be one with each other. Rabbi Nachman says so much so that a person, every word they say is like this, and so much so he's describing a, trans- a transcendental state of davening where a person davens in such a way where they actually transcend, transcend time and they're in the first word of tefillah and the last letter of tefillah all exactly at the same time. So a person is lingering on every single word, 
as the words leave your lips and depart from your soul, and it reaches such a high level of dvekas where they completely leave this leave the confines of Earth, of the space-time matter continuum, and they're on the very first word of tefillah and the last word of tefillah, exactly, 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 at the same time. All that happens from the Baal HaSadeh, who's able to bring Tikkune Neshamos and give every flower, every tree, everything exactly, exactly what it needs. He's able to look at your, this master of fields, this extraordinary, extraordinary, towering tzaddik is able to give each soul what it needs and so much so where it clarifies your tefillah, that it mitigates harsh dinim and allows a person in order to create their own path of tefillah, of davening, and vekas Tashem, which is ultimately what we're put here for, is to have davening Tashem. Okay, guys, I know that was, that was a long, we read a lot inside, and I wanted to cover, just learn this with everyone. This is like, I don't know what else to add exactly. Uh, next week, we're going to learn on a more practical level. Again, this was a general conversation of Tikkun Neshamas, how the tzaddik uh, looks to bring every person to their tachlis, every soul, even the dead souls in Gan Eden and the live souls down here on earth. And he's this Balat Sad, this extraordinary tzaddik, this towering tzaddik, who is collects all the souls, collects all the neshamas come to him. And all the neshamas are waiting and waiting and waiting in order to reach their tikkun. Like we said, Mizmur Shir Liyom HaShabbos is Roshay Tevos Lim Moshe. Right? This is the song of Shabbos, is an acronym for Lim Moshe, that all the souls run to Moshe, Erev Shabbos, in order to receive their tikkun, that they don't have to suffer in, Ge- in Gehenim. And then, and Moshe Rabbeinu picks up all these souls and brings them to Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, on Shabbos in order to bring, it, bring them to their tikkun. So you see, for every soul, even the souls that are naked outside Gan Eden that can't get in and are starving, waiting for the spiritual clothing of Torah and mitzvahs, like we started with, even those souls that are chutzpah outside Gan Eden are able to reach a tikkun from the extraordinary tzaddik. Yesh tikkun lakol. That even after, certainly in this world, a person is able to reach their tikkun, but even in the next world, when a person's soul is outside Gan Eden for things that don't ordinarily have a tikkun, which is why they're outside, even those souls have a tzaddik, have a tikkun through the tzaddik. I'm going to repeat that again, because this is astounding, right? That even the souls that seemingly don't have a tikkun, which is why they didn't make it into Gan Eden, they're able to reach their tikkun through the tzaddik. That there is a tikkun even for the most lost, abject souls who did things for, that there's no tikkun, even that there's a tikkun through, through the Bala Sadeh. The Bala Sadeh is able to give clothing, as we started with, praiseworthy is a person who eats 
how many prakim of Mishnais and washes it down with Tehillim. Oh, oh, oh. Ah, delicious. How many kvitluk on Tehillim did you have? Right? You're able to wash it down that yesh tikkun lakol, there's a tikkun for everything, even the worst things that you think that there's no tikkun for. Rabbi Nachman is revealing even that there's a tikkun for. That every neshama is able to reach its tikkun through the tzaddik emes, the tzaddik hagado, the extraordinary tzaddik, the Baal Hasada. Even after you die, and even after your soul is waiting, starving outside Gan Eden, there's a tikkun for that as well. Any questions, comments, letter to the editors? Anyone want to say anything? Yes, yeah, so uh, didn't we learn that uh, Rabbi Nachman went to Uman on account of the fact that there was a massacre uh, that happened uh, previously and that he was very interested in doing tikkunim of the neshamas of the uh, kadoshim that were killed there? Yes, that's correct. I'm just going to restate that for some of the people. Uh, was asked, didn't we learn that Rabbi Nach, that Uman is really a mass grave and that Rabbi Nachman went there to be Metak and Neshamos? Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. In fact, I think it was in the early 1800s, I think it was around in the year 1800 or maybe 1801, Rabbi Nachman started talking about the Indian of Tikkunin Neshamos. And I think he, he, he I, uh, I think something by the year 1806, 1807, he actually moved to Uman and he wanted to go there because he said there are many neshamas that are waiting for a tikkun. Uh, and he went there to get buried so he could bring them, he could bring them a tikkun, uh, a tikkun neshamas. Uh, that's really, that's, that's a point over here. Another point is, this is really introductory remarks, but Rabbi Nachman actually revealed this because you just happened to be mentioning like how this linked up with Rabbi Nachman's life. Rabbi Nachman actually, uh, Revealed this lesson, he had a son, Shlomo Ephraim, who he thought uh, was Mashiach, or Mashiach ben Yosef at the very least. And he, a, uh, when his soul, Shlomo Ephraim, died, uh, he revealed this lesson of Tikkuni Neshamas, that uh, sometimes a person has to die in order to be Metake Neshamas. And he was very, very pained by this. He was very, very disturbed. And that's after his son died that he had so much hopes for and he believed and he understood in a panemius way, he revealed uh, one of his main lessons on tikkun neshamas and on suffering in general. So that's why, how all this fits up suffering with the suffering neshamas outside, that, that extraordinary tzaddik is able to bring these, these neshamas in. And next week, again, we're going to learn more practically. Uh, this was an overall thing about neshamas and tikkun neshamas. And next, next week, we're going to learn more practically about how every... Uh, it's going to be, again, practical advice. That's the great thing about Breslov. It's a, a starts esoteric, but then we get practical advice about how to mitigate suffering, uh, what a person can actually do when they're suffering in order to see beyond, see beyond their pain. Anyone else want to add anything? I just want to say shkayach. 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 Have a good Shabbos, everyone. We'll see you next oh, week. Fascinating.